Welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in. With me today, I've got Jera. Hello. And today we have a very special treat for you all. We have an interview with Star Trek Discovery costumer Gersha Phillips. Woo! Oh my gosh. But first, before we get to our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping. Our show is entirely supported by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get awesome rewards. From thanks on social media to silly watch-along commentaries, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash women at warp. You can also support us by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so it was super exciting to interview Gersha Phillips about her costume work on Star Trek Discovery. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we should probably just get it right into the interview and then maybe at the end if we feel like it, we can talk about some highlights. But um, yeah. Yeah. To the interview. Hi, Gersha. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. It's so exciting to have you here on the show. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us, as a creative designer, what was the creative process like for you with 50 years worth of Star Trek iconography to be working from? It's pretty, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit daunting. I mean, it's not a little bit, it's a lot daunting, you know. Um, But I do feel like I've um, embraced um, as much as I can, you know, because our our, our prep time is only so much time. And um, when we were approaching the first one, we didn't actually lean the first season. We didn't lean into um, the the history so much. And this time, the second season we did, it was sort of like a, a producer mandate that we all sort of look into um, the, the the catalog of, of 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 work that had existed. So it was kind of really cool. Um, you know, uh, the you know bringing in, bringing the uh, Enterprise costumes life was a really um daunting experience and and you know i'm happy that it seems like most people like what we've done so i feel pretty good about that experience <laughs> um and you know as we go forward there's a couple other great ones that we've brought, brought um up and we'll see how people react to those and hopefully we've done justice and, and you know given them the proper type of um update and um while still paying homage and et cetera to them and knowing you were going to be working with Star Trek and such an icon- uh, iconic series, was there anything you knew you wanted to do with that early on? Well, like I always say, I wasn't the first designer. Like, I wasn't hired as a designer, per se. I was just, uh, just um, hired first up to work with another designer. So that was sort of, when I started, I, I sort of, um, you know, I didn't have that role or that place, per se. I was assisting, so it was a little bit different, or co-designing, I guess is what you call it now. Um, but once I did take over, it was sort of like, yes, it, it, it really is something. It's, it's really, um, um, you know, it, it definitely, um, it's awe-inspiring and it's intimidating. And especially because, you know, the, the Star Trek fans are so um, um, dedicated to uh, the characters and to, and to the world that exists already. So they're not as open to the shift. It seems that it takes them a little bit of minute, a minute to, to warm up to, um, 
um, updating and bringing something new into the into the fold, but um, I feel like they eventually do because we went to the Starcat convention uh, last year and we were really well received. So that was kind of a lovely experience. Um, so I feel like you know since they see that we're serious in what we're doing, we're producing something really great. Um, I think they're you know starting to get behind us on a, on a more um, you know dedicated way in a more dedicated way. Cool. Um, I have a question about um, the women's costumes, particularly because our our podcast is primarily about mm-hmm. women on Star Trek and the uh, sort of mm-hmm. idea of women in the future and how that might have changed from the original series, where especially the Mirror Universe costumes um, were very revealing. Mm-hmm. And whether you considered um, how uh, or how you approached reimagining those types of costumes in in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I mean, the main thing is to keep the women um, empowered. I feel, um, you know, that's always that's always been at the backbone of you know my sort of design process is to create empowering women, and 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 I felt. Um, I really didn't want to even go close. I mean, we did lean into the mirror universe with a little bit, you know, I think our asymmetrical, the way we recreated the breastplate definitely had a, you know, a mirroring um, or sort of like a, a, call, a recall of that look. But I think that, you know, somebody did ask me at the convention why I didn't, you know, <laughs> bear, you know, chest it in the drift and so on. And I just felt like there's a way to do sexy that doesn't mean that you have to be naked. And I think that in our show, um, you know, we've tried to create sort of this non-binary future. And I've sort of, and that's sort of what I've been leaning into. So we are doing tunics, but we're making the tunics for men and women, um, you know, and um, we didn't do it in the mirror universe so far in that one, but we will in the future. It's definitely my goal is that, um, and I think you'll see it later on in the season that I do have uh, tunics on men and women. So I think it's kind of a good, it's kind of an interesting thing. And it, I think that, you know, ideally that won't matter in the future. That's my wish and just hope that, you know, all of the things that we're struggling with now in terms of sexuality and also, you know, gender and also um, race will just not matter as much. They will be, you know, not inconsequential. And I feel like that's what I was sort of designing for in my mind. It's like this sort of utopian future where those things aren't a problem anymore and we're dealing with other things and more pressing, you know, things which is, you know, we could be doing that now, but for some reason we're still <laughs> obsessed with this other thing, these other things. So I feel, you know, that, that was my goal. And I am hoping that, um, you know, we're doing that. And even with some of our species, you know, that was sort of our intention. It was originally the intention with even the Klingons that we weren't going to do them as particularly sex, but then they ended up doing that anyway. So, you know, but, it, you know, since we've had our shows had several different um uh, showrunners <laughs> come through. Each group has a different sort of, um, you know, statement or a different sort of set of statements that they're they're working on. And so we've sort of moved a little bit in and out of that that world a little bit. But for sure, for me, it's been something that I I feel, you know, creating strong, empowering women, and also the idea of non-binary is really um, kind of exciting to me. So those two things are something for sure that I've been working on. And I'm very cognizant of, and I think even in season three, ideally speaking, I will take it more further, I'm hoping. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of your uh, previous costume work, looking into your filmography, has been for a more contemporary setting. Is it difficult to change over to the mindset of a futuristic aesthetic? And what was that like? 
Well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because I feel like um, before I started in film, I was I was a fashion designer, and I feel like part of being a fashion designer is a bit of forecast in the future. That's what you want because you want your stuff to read new and different. And I think that's the journey of, of sci-fi. You know, as a designer, you're looking for, you're pushing the world forward. You're trying to find, you know, what 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 that could be. So I feel like. Even though, um, and even in film in general, if you're doing a contemporary film, you're always trying to do something. You're working like usually um, a year before your film comes out, and so when you when you when your film comes out, you don't want it to be to feel done or stale. So you are always trying to create characters that are slightly more forward looking, you know, than the time that you're actually working in. So it is kind of like a costume designer's desire to do that all the time so this is i mean this is definitely going much further than i've ever gone before so it's definitely um a cool challenge and i kind of love it i love you know um the experiences i've had bringing these characters to life and and you know hunting down really cool fabrics and leathers and and techniques of ways of sewing and manufacturing and, and things like this you know the idea of something being replicated as opposed to sewn and um you know uh what fabrics will look like in the future and also the idea of doing aliens too which is a whole other um thing that we try to do that you know try to giving each species and set of set of um people their own um identity you know, which and make them very separate is also quite challenging, and it's it's, it's kind of it's, it's it's amazingly exciting though. You know what I mean? And daunting. You know, I I don't sleep a lot <laughs> because I'm always on and thinking and looking for things. You know, we do a lot of now surface printing. We've been doing we've been doing um, you know model making and sculpting and and all kinds of things to come up with different ways of bringing species to life. So it's it's it's. It's like having the candy store that I've always wanted, kind of, I guess, you know what I mean? And just be able to get in there and do whatever. I, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I love it. And it's, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited and happy that my, uh, the producers trust me and allow me to, to play as much as I have. I think it's been great. And I'm, yeah, looking forward to more. <laughs> Cause you know, this year I went to, um, there's a fashion designer that I, I love. Um, and it's very inspiring. I find her very inspiring. It's, her name is Iris Van Herpen, and her designs are otherworldly in themselves. And I went to see, I've seen her, two of her shows now in Paris, and it was amazing to see her. But then I also went to see, like, this other designer called Gal Kay, who's from Asia, and her stuff was phenomenal too, and in another, another otherworldly way, you know what I mean? So I feel like the other, the, the main thing is I'm just gathering stuff everywhere I look and see there's always something to gain from it. So, I just, I don't know, I just have this voracious appetite of, of, of visuals that I keep collecting and looking and, and, and adding to. So it's been, a, I, I kind of really love it. It's been amazing. Well, visual-wise, um, there are a lot of images that come to mind when someone says sci-fi costume or a lot of mm-hmm. sort of kitschy ideas we have. Was there anything you knew you wanted to actively avoid stylistically? Well, I, you know, I, I felt, you know, when I looked at, sci-fi and because i feel like most sci-fi originates from the 60s there is that you know what star trek the the, the enterprise uniforms were that mothman look you know it was on that it was in odyssey you know um i forget that other series there was the one with um um 
what's his name? I'm not going to remember anything. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, I feel like that's the look. And because, you know, I, I started in the 60s when the mock neck was flourishing and that look, that, that sort of A-line dress, you know, that everybody wore. That, and you keep seeing it repeated. It, it's like, you know, so everybody uses that as their go-to sci-fi look. And that's one of the reasons why we we kept the collar. And that, that's actually from the previous designer because she made this pitch for the collar. And I was like, wow, that is brilliant. And I like the fact that, you you know, that we're keeping this pitch. She wanted to keep the collar. And so when I took over, I was like, I'm keeping that collar. And one of the things about the collar is that all through history, the collar's existed. It's been around since, I think, 17th century. And a different form of the collar on, on, thing, on men's clothing. And just because sci-fi started in the 60s, you know, when the when the mock neck and that sort of rebellion against the status quo came up, then that became what everybody sort of used as sci-fi. And it sort of stuck through for a long time. And I think for me, that was one of the things that I was like, that was my trap. I felt like I didn't want to do that that version of sci-fi. So I feel like, you know, and I it's really interesting because I did something on Sonequa that people have seen in images. It's not the show. The episode actually is coming up and I think that's episode seven it's going to be in. And um, it looks like she's wearing like a mini dress, like that exact shape. But it's actually she's wearing a jacket over a pair of leather pants. And so it's really funny that they're saying, oh, I'm knitting into that look, which it does kind of feel that way. But because I've added the pants to it, it's not exactly it. But it, I guess the silhouette has a similarity. But um, uh, it's kind of, I find that really funny. But yes, that's something that I, that's the one thing I would say, the moth neck thing is something I, I've shied away from. So if I do do a version of it, it has to be something really different. And, um, you know, I've done a small collar. Like if I do it, it's usually quite slimmer than that version. So it, I have done that. I will say it's some, something kind of similar on some pieces, but um, that mock neck look, I will stay away from. <laughs> That's really interesting. We also asked our listeners for questions and we had a question from our listener named Marina who asked, uh, which Discovery costume proved to be the most problematic or difficult to create so far and why? Well, I actually, I, I, I think that the most difficult costume was the first um, Takuma costume that we did. Um, and it was the first the Klingon in episode one and two, I believe he's in. And it was just something that Suderet designed it. And he did a, like, just a, a flat front copy of it, no back, <laughs> just the front. And we, were, we had to bring it to life. And so we tried quite a, you know, it took a long time and, and a bit of cash <laughs> to come up with that. Because first we were going to 3D print the whole cage. And then we were like, no, that's not going to work. So we tried different things, you know, so we 3D printed parts of it. And we ended up um, sculpting the cage, actually, in the end. And then we had to make three of them. So it was just, it turned out to be a huge undertaking and a lot, a lot of hours of work. And all those beads are like on there, like the, the, the beads in the skirt are all hand sewn on. First cut, it's a tubing that we cut, beaded and just on strings and then placed it on, on plates of leather. So that, and then painted over it to give it the look that it has. So, you know, it, it, it was just, and we were doing a lot of learning at that time because it was my first time doing all of those types of things. Like I'd never worked on a show where I'd soaked in anything before, or I'd never worked anything on anything that I had 3D printed before. So there was so many learning curves on that particular costume that it was just, um, you know, it was just, a, a, it was a, a lot of mistakes <laughs> and a lot of um, trial and error for sure. 
and it was I, I would say that took us like I'm luckily we had the six months to do that because that costume did take a long time. The other thing I think we did we took us a long time to come up with was the actual disco uniform that we have now as our uniform. Like that went through quite a few iterations off the top. You know whether we were going to do color or not to do color. Um, the compression panels had to come up with those compression panels, which were actually printed um, by um, a company in LA. The same, you know, she's the same woman that does all the, the super suits, and, and it's the same idea of how they do those, the printing textures that they've added to those. So that's something that we, you know, we spent a long time doing, and then we have to foil it afterwards. So that's a, that's another journey. So I mean, I feel like most of our costumes are complex. Like whenever my producer says to me, "How long?" You know, do you need somebody to come in for a fitting? I'm always asking for somebody to come a week before because I like to have at least three fittings with people, with the character, with the actor before, you know, the costume tunnelage just so that we get a really great fit. And it's more because the idea that things are replicated, you know, your body would be scanned. And then your your you know your costume your piece would be made to your measurements exactly. So there should be no room for error with that. And that's what that's the idea that we're sort of running with. So that in itself you know requires a lot of fitting process. And I know that Jason Isaac has talked <laughs> a lot about his costume and um, the fitting process and the fit of the costume, et cetera, et cetera. So you know I feel like. They're all tricky in themselves, but definitely the description one. And the other one that was a big deal was making um, Giorgio's, Emperor Giorgio's uh, gold outfit. That was a big undertaking as well and took quite a lot of time for us. So, but um, yeah, those are the two the two that come to mind the, the most. I mean, I think that the Calpians are, are the trickiest when they're dressing on set. I know that the ADs hated, hated us dressing the Calpians and doing all the wraps on their <laughs> arms and legs <laughs> of quota journeys. You ever saw, I think there might be some behind the scenes footage of that, which would be pretty hilarious to see at some point. <laughs> so, sorry, why was that difficult? The Kelpians? Was well, it... it was just because I had this, the Kelpians, I, the, I, when I first did my, the first, no, I don't do illustrations, but my illustrator did these illustrations and I was showing them to the director, Doug, and he really loved, you know, because, um, Doug Jones has such long, beautiful limbs. You know, mm -hmm. he's quite thin and he's, you know, he's got these elegant limbs. And so when we, when I did the drawings, they sort of had them like the long legs. They felt almost exaggerated because of the way we wrapped them. So in the pictures, they're wrapped with left, they're wrapped. And so I thought, okay, well, we're going to wrap them, you know, not thinking that how difficult this could be. Well, what happens is they've got to put their prosthetics on and then we wrap their arms you know, up. so it's all done on set. So they come to set dressed with their heads on and we're shooting outside. It's super hot. And then they put on their shoes too, which are also the good boots. And then we wrap their legs. So that whole journey was crazy. Like I didn't, you know, times four people, you know, and the wraps have to be like really meticulously put on and stretched a certain way and then taped down as they're going on. I think everybody wanted to shoot me after that those few days because it was just bananas doing that stuff. And, you know, if anybody had to go to the bathroom or anything like that, it was even worse, you know, because it had to be all undone and then redone back up again. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit nutty. I was not, a, I don't think I was anybody's favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> but it did look, it looked really great. And I was very happy with the final result. I just know that I have to come up with a different way of, uh, you know, making those wraps work if I ever want to do it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, we had another question. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, we had another question um, from our listener, Crystal, who talked about um, past iterations of Star Trek stories of wearability issues, like in the original series, the velour that would shrink every time you cleaned the costumes and the uh, Picard <laughs> uniform tug and asks Mm -hmm. did you try to do anything special to make the discovery costumes easier to wear or more comfortable and if so how do you strike a balance between what looks amazing and what's comfortable for the actors (laughs) we're still figuring that out believe it or not (laughs) we did from season one to season two we tried to do we did some new things with our uniforms like we've made newer uniforms for everybody on the bridge um, and basically what we did is we doubled our fabric. <laughs> we double bonded our fabric so it created a crisper feel on the front of the jacket so you get less wrinkling and so on. And it sort of helped it. Um, it's more in line with what the compression panels are in terms of um, thickness. So it's, it's better on the body. And the other thing we did right off the top is we actually, our uniforms, they're zippered together. So we call them a rigging zipper. So in the waistline, underneath the, the waist of the jacket, there's a zipper that attaches the jacket to the pants. So it almost wears like a jumpsuit. So it kind of helps and helps the, um, the tugging issue. So it holds it down really nicely. Um, and that's something that we do, which some people complain that it pushes on their shoulders. <laughs> so, you know, you have to find the right balance of what it needs to be. And that's an ongoing struggle because, you know, people fluctuate even just during the day, you know, by eating lunch, not eating lunch, or I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting to see what happens with our fabric. And, um, you know, the, what the fabric that we did choose is a, is an athletic fabric. It's like a tech, uh, fabric that's used for sportswear actually it's equestrian riders and so it's um it's kind of durable but it still has issues um and um for cleaning what happens with ours is that the compression panels sometimes need to be retouched up and we're still working on making that more durable those are the things that are kind of like the things that we need to fix but we make sure like the Niqua and and all the leads have at least you know, four uniforms that they can rotate around, which helps keep them in better shape. You know what I mean? So those are the things that we have done that sort of help us make everything look better. And, you know, just monitoring them, making sure that they get their little oil touch-ups in between episodes, et cetera, and just keep them looking fresh. But we do, we have a really cool dry cleaner that does this thing called wet clean, that that's where we get them cleaned at. And um, they've done, they've been doing a really great job of keeping them in pretty great shape for us. So that's kind of, it's, it's better than I, I thought it would be. I was a little frightened and thought they would never be able to be cleaned, <laughs> which would be awful. <laughs> so um, it's definitely, but it's still, I have to say, when I go back and when we go back, we actually just talked to the company that made us our fabric and we're trying to get them to, to change it a little bit or to make another, another slightly different version of the same fabric. So we would have two types of fabric two weights of fabric in the same color that we can work with. So that's what we're working on now. And hopefully that'll, that'll help um, our, our uh, uniforms look even better. <laughs> so yeah, ongoing, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Boldly going forward with how wearable the outfits are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we uh, had another question, which was, did the knowledge that there would definitely be people cosplaying versions of your work affect you at all? And what is it like seeing it in action? Um, 
at the, in the beginning, I didn't like, I know that I remember Brian Fuller talking about that and he wanted to create something that would give the, the cosplayers a little bit of a challenge when we were designing our first uniforms. He, he definitely wanted them to go out and make new uniforms. He didn't want them to be wearing the same thing. So I thought that was really an interesting, an interesting thing. And so, but it, when we came up with it, because when people talk to me, they say, you know, they talk about how difficult our costume is cosplay. In the beginning, they were saying it. And I, and I, I never really thought about, you know, making them easy or difficult or anything in terms of cosplaying. It was more about serving the character that we're doing with on, this, on the page. So, um, seeing people dressed in the costumes is, is, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a weird, I mean, it's, it's weird, wonderful, humbling, fascinating, like going to Las Vegas and just seeing that community and the, and the way they, 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 um, cherish the world of Star Trek. It's, it's just, it's, it's actually quite awesome and quite beautiful. And, you know, having people come up and thanking us for reinvigorating, uh, Star Trek and giving them some new things to do and build and new challenges and, you know, and, 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 getting my, my take on what they've done. I, I, I was just like awestruck. It was just like, literally I walked around for two days and days and there seeing people like this one family, he was dressed as a Mary universe. His wife was dressed as Georgia. And then they had a little, their daughter was baby Georgia. It was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Aww. It was just so amazing. And, you know, and we all, I went with my team, like my assistant design and my supervisors went with me and they got to see it too. So I thought that was a really great experience as a group like that. And then we got to judge a contest with people and, and the guy that dressed, uh, made his costume as folk won. So that was really awesome as well. So yeah, no, it's, it was, I, I'm flawed, floored by it. Like literally I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and it, and it, it is really humbling. And I, and I'm, I'm really excited that this year, because now we know, and now we've, you know, we're kind of like, oh, this is really cool. And as we're doing things, we're like, oh my God, I can't wait to see how people do this one. You know what I mean? So that's kind of really interesting. And it's not that you just design for it, but it's kind of like, it's, it, it, it makes the journey so much better. Do you know what I mean? Because it makes it even more fun. The idea of knowing that these guys are going to be embracing these costumes and then bring them forward in their own expressions is really kind of awesome. I love it. I think it's it's uh, it's cool. Awesome. Is there a piece that you're especially proud of that you've been able to put together, or one that you just really, really want to stand in uh, as a definition of your work on this show? Um, I do really think that um, uh, there's one coming <laughs> for sure that feels like the best we've ever done, <laughs> and I feel like I, we call it. I don't know if I can swear, but we call it next level shit. So <laughs> we call it something that we're really like is really different. And so we have this costume that I believe is next level shit. <laughs> and I'm really excited about it. Well, we can't wait to see your next level shit. <laughs> well, hopefully, um, hopefully you'll come back on and talk about it once we've seen it. <laughs> cool. I definitely will. I'd love to. I'd love to. Gersha, thanks again so much for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh, man, that was super fun. Uh, I can't believe we got to do that interview. I just also love, like, those little things. I would never even think of things like um, having to put the costumes on after the prosthetics means that you're wasting time on set. Like, things like that. It just doesn't even, you know, it's that kind of stuff that's really interesting. And I loved what she had to say about um, costumes or clothing being less binary in the future. That's That's... I love the idea that we could go into a whole subtopic of itself of the science fiction history of the mock turtleneck. And I feel like that's something we should totally do at some point. Yeah, I mean, and I love that, like, we can pay homage to those costumes while still accepting that gender roles have changed and uh, yeah. embracing that they will continue to change and hopefully towards, a, you know, where a point where people are being empowered no matter what their gender based on um versus uh all the crop tops all the time (laughs) i really loved what she said about how working in fashion is pretty much trying to predict futuristic fashions or just what's going to be in style next so it's cool to think that everyone who's doing uh, working in fashion and style successfully already has an eye to the future so thank you very much for listening uh we had a wonderful time recording this As you can probably tell, we're still super psyched up about it. To contact our show, you can email crew at womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. For more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Jara, where can people find you online? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Jara Penguin. That's J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin or at my website, trekkiefeminist.com. You can find me on Twitter at BoneCrusherJank and also trying to figure out where my mock turtlenecks went. I feel like they're (laughs) going to make a comeback. Oh, yeah. Once again, we are Women at Warp. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) 